Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is the podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music. Be that rock, punk, metal or extreme music. Happy 2019 everyone. It's still pretty shit, isn't it? Coming up on this week's show, uh, well it's pretty easy really. Just counting down from number 10 all the way down to 1 for the top 20 albums of the year. If you want 2211, go check out last week's episode. It's literally quite that simple. As well as that today, um, just going through the other like sub-lists, I guess. Looking at uh, some of the worst releases of this year, because we always like to have a little bit of a moan. Um, the best of the band that no one's heard of. Some of the surprises that I found from this year, and there's the controversial one in there, if you don't mind me saying. And But first, want to have a look at EPs this year, because... I think this year has been a little bit soft on the EP front. I seem to remember there being a lot better stuff last year um, as a whole. But this year has been fairly, fairly middling. Whatever good ones there have been, it's just been full of... You've got like the core two or three songs and you've got loads of like weird offshoots on the side. My example for this is the Code Orange EP, The Hurt Will Go On. Um, three Knives and The Hunt are fucking great songs. The three other songs on there, which are all like remixes and revamps of the songs. I can, I can, I can fucking give or take them, really, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Uh, if you want to have, like, another full top ten for EP this year, log on to any... Oh, sorry, I'm back on the squeaky chair. Go on to any social media that Destination Pod is attached to, at Destination Pod. Um, but i just go through the top three. So number three was Converge with Beautiful Rain. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was Converge with Beautiful Ruin. It's, it's almost like I'm professional. Um, I don't think anything needs to be said about Converge. They are one of, if not the best, hardcore bands. Potentially even ever. The way they've managed to evolve the sound. And they're not just like... You, clattery, screamy, smashy band that's just been doing that for 20 years they managed to evolve the sound it's so, even though it is fucking ferocious still, it feels so much more intelligent, so much more refined so much more put together now and uh, I think I'm a little bit easy on Converge because the first album that I properly listened to of theirs was um, All We Love Will Leave Behind and that got very Mixed reviews, as it turns out, in the years since it's been, it was not their best work. Obviously, that would be always belongs to the likes of Jane Doe and Axel Fall, but I thought it was a cracking album. The one they released last year, which escapes my brain, but that's good. That's there we go. Um, I really, really fucking enjoyed that. And Beautiful Ruin, I think it's just like a few songs I've recorded in that sort of time zone of doing uh, Dusk and Earth. And it's just sort of like, not B-sides, but what got left over. And it is a fucking cracking EP. Then number two is Worlds Apart with In Death. I believe these are a small Australian hardcore metalcore entendre. Uh, they are fucking brutal also it's more lean towards 
It's difficult because I wouldn't say they were out and out mathy or out and out like power violence or anything like that, but they are they are un a similar sort of veins of converge. They are unrelenting. They just go full on ham at all times. I want to say there's like tinges of black metal in there, but I don't. I think that's a bit too generous. It is a very dark sounding album or EP, I should say, and it is. First time I listen to it, uh, very it's it wakes you up if you accidentally put it on at seven o'clock in the morning. Just yeah, if you really dig the Converge EP, I think you'll really go for the World's Part EP as well. And uh, number one for me, I'm um, what's the word I'm trying to think? Of? Being favoritism because it is got Jason Allen Butler in it, but Fever Three 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 at the moment is something I am so looking forward to. The Made in America EP just I, I it's not a perfect EP by any stretch of the imagination. I think any of the year, like I said, it's been kind of weak on the EP front. Any of the year I don't think it would be number one. But the choruses and songs like Walking in My Shoes and the song Made in America, they are just everything. I ever loved about the last Let Live album and I fucking adore that last Let Live album. I was gutted when they broke up. Um, and I think listen to it more and more over the year. <laughs> I think the production on it is pretty it's not great and that got made like even more relevant when they had, it was Travis Barker and someone else, I think Vic Mensa, do a remix of the lead single, uh, Made in America. And it's like the Travis Barker rock remix, so just different drums mostly. But the production on that um, version of the song and the bass that came through was so much better than the production on anything on Made in America. The new song... Burn it from the upcoming album, um, Strength in Numbers, or Strength in Number 333ers, because it's apparently back in 2001. Um, it is just. The, uh, I can't remember his name. The guy who produced it has done a lot of albums that have gone to have the accolade of they very much like went, like low bought their sound because they were dirty and aggressive and they sort of like tone them down a bit with i suppose the good thing about phoebe 333 is they don't have that starting block this is their starting block but the production from what i've seen in the travis barker remix and then subsequently burn it is so much better than on here so i think that's like two three weeks away from strength and numbers i cannot fucking wait and i think made in america is just Everything, all the like melodious bits or melodic bits from Let Live tapped into this like Rage Against the Machine inspired hardcore beat. And yeah, I'm very, very excited for this. And hopefully, I know he's got Pressure Cracks as well, which was a very, I didn't like it as much, clearly. Um, I thought it was lacking a bit of oomph, despite the fact it is an out and out hardcore record. But yeah, very much looking forward four to what three three do in the future i sound like i'm very ill i'm very much not 
Might be to do with the fact that I've been awake for about an hour and I got rushed out of bed because the postie was here, but I feel like I'm very, very... Yeah. Cool, so... Moving away from EPs, like I said, if you want a bit more, well, want another full um, top 10, or you just want to ask me questions about this, shit, this kind of shit, uh, any major social media at Desolation Pod, it's really easy. And also, there's probably a link around here somewhere. We'll go, oh, fuck it, we'll go straight into the, the worst releases. Um, I won't go into too much detail with all of them, because I've got eight here, which I singled out. Um... I've already spoken about Exact Change by Octaves. It was a very, all very close to being a very, very good idea. And then it just sort of stopped at the vocals. The lead single is very, very interesting because it's actually got singing in it and not that weird spoken word, poetry sort of shit. But yeah, I think it was too artsy for me. Machine Head with Catharsis. I I fucking love Machine Head. I was kind of gutted when I thought at one point this year they were completely splitting up. It wasn't. It was just uh, Dave and Phil leaving. Um, and I was quite intrigued for them to... When they were saying we're going to go back to um, the Burning Red and the Supercharger kind of sound, that like new Metal influence. I was quite excited because with new Metal making like a nostalgic comeback at the moment... And with Machine Head, a lot more aware of what they want to do now. That sort of like groove laden thrash. I thought it was going to be very groovy, very fast paced new metal album. And it just wasn't. Um, I really tried to get on board with it. There's just nothing in there that screams to me that this is a fun and enjoyable album. I can't even remember the track listing, but I think even just the title track catharsis it is very much a case of it it sounds like it's stuck in that time zone from back there which for a 2018 album from one of the bigger like newer metal bands out there and ones who did make um the blackening and i really enjoyed unto locus i'm gonna throw in there as well unto locus you'd expect a lot more but yeah, it's just very, very bland. Kaleidoscope. I think that's the one that starts up with the clapping. And I just... It was a sing... Oh yeah, because it was a single as well. Started off with the clapping. I was like, no. No. No, no, no. No, 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 no. None of that. So yeah, unfortunately, Catharsis by Machine Head was not that great. Um, a self-titled album called by a band called Chin Up Kid. I said that really awkwardly. Chin up, kid. Uh, it's when I found them, they were marketed to me as a pop punk band, and the first half of the album is very pop punky. It's a little bit too on the all time low, all American region side of things, as opposed to like uh, Wonder Kids or Dookie Era, Green Day. But as you get further through the album. It becomes more and more pop rock to the point where it's power pop to the point where there's a song in there which can only be described as alternative hip-hop it is fucking a god it's bad it just plodles along without any sense of like 
where it wants to go or like direction or anything like that. It just sort of, I feel like he wanted to do more than one album and he said, ah, fuck it, let's just all put it in together and just, yeah, people will love it. People won't. Like, I get there is a crossover between people who like pop punk and like more contemporary um, styles of music like hip hop and R&B. But you don't put it all in one go. It it very rarely works. And this is just... Well, 41 minutes of my life, I'm never getting back again. Woefully bad. Uh, final one I'll pick on, because it's, it's only a short one. Fucking... I didn't listen to Mania this year, because I heard that first single, which I've managed to block out my memory. And thought I don't want anything to do with Fallout Boy anymore. And then when I saw that Fallout Boy were releasing, uh, well, I, th- I saw that they already released an EP called Lake Effect Gear. I thought I might as well, again, give them the benefit of the doubt and see what it's about. Lake Effect Kid is a three-track EP with each song, I think, representing another, uh, well, each of their albums they've made since reforming. Um, you've got track one, which I think is the called Lake Effect Kid. That's the one representing, um, say, rock and roll. So it's very pop rock with a little bit of like pop punk in there. It's mildly okay. Nothing to write home about. Second track is a pretty much a rip from American Beauty, American Psycho. Uber pop rock and lots of swelling synths and all this sort of shit. And then the final track is basically an off-cut from Mania, and it's fucking shit. It's a glitchy, oh, fucking, I don't even know, trap, squealy, auto-tune mess of fucking sadness. And all those pop-punk emo fringes who grew up loving Fallout Boy and just desperate that they would be the band to take over the world good news to you they fucking have and they're fucking shit at it because all these like popular kids and they'll listen to it says oh yeah i'm so returned now because i listen to fallout boy fallout boy are fucking shit now i pray for the day where andy and joe can get out of fallout boy and andy can go back to being in every hardcore band ever made and joe can go back to go being in the damn things and it'll just be Pete and Patrick riding off in the sunset, sunset, masturbating to each other was a fucking auto-tune glaring. I hate Fallout Boy now. I hate everything they stand for since we're coming back. And they are what a comeback tour should not be. And I'm just... It all makes me very, very unhappy. And you can't get worse than being very, very unhappy. What a way to start the new year. <clears throat> Why do I sound like I'm dying? Fuck. Um, on to the ba- best, of, oh, other really shit releases from this year. Um, band called, um, Cold Snap. They, oh god, I can't remember. Oh, yes, I can. I think they were like a fast-paced, like, blackened punk sort of outfit with a little bit of death metal. It just wasn't. Every song sounded the same. It was, the difficulty with extreme genres is it's you want to like have that key sound but you want to make sure not everything sounds the same and unfortunately that fell in the realm of sounding like one just giant song that lasted for 38 minutes bit boring 
better off by the home team. The home team are those tweed pop punk kids I was telling you before. So if you like All Time Low and if you like All American Rejects, you're boring and you'll like this. Uh, Veil by Black Veil Brides. I don't know why I was expecting this to be good. I think because... Is it Set the World on Fire? The album where... I think that was the last album where they were all in... Looked like Kiss threw up. Had a legacy on it. That album was fucking great. I keep expecting every new Black Veil Brides album to be that. They're not. They're really, really shit. Veil was really, really shit and boring. Um, and last one was Defy by Of Mice and Men. It hurts me to know that this is the band that once made Cold World. Like, that album... Was it Cold World? I had to Google this the other day because I completely fucking forgot what it was called. Um, talk amongst yourselves. Not the fucking movie. Whatever it was. The initial... The album that everyone went fucking nuts for. Restoring Force. Cold World came afterwards. Restoring Force was a great album. Um... It was one of the first albums where people were finally, finally, starting to get on board with the fact that New Met was making a comeback. And Restoring Force was great. Cold World, not so much. And then Austin left, and now they've got Defy, and Defy is just very, very dull. There's not much going on. And it's got a weird Pink Floyd cover in there as well. The lead song, Unbreakable. Sounds like every every band from like 2004. Yeah, it it makes me sad. So yeah, there's some of like the worst the worst albums I've heard this year. Or worst EP, fuck that EP. Um, going to the best of the, that no one's heard of. So going through, I'm always on the lookout for new music, and I usually skip scour the realms of Bandcamp and Kingdom Leaks and YouTube and everything else in between. And along the way, I find some really good shit, really end up enjoying it, and then no one even looks at these little bands. Um, again, I'll just limit down to three. Just because time. Um, how far am I into this already? Fucking 20 minutes in, I haven't even got to the top ten. Fuck. Anyways, uh, we'll start off with Mains. They, uh, the album is called Slow Motion Death Sequence, which is Jerry. They are... Danish? Norwegian? I think they're Norwegian. They're a Norwegian, like, experimental prog band. With, I think up until very recently, they were a studio-only band. And with Slow Motion Death Sequence, it is a lot of electronics and... And by that, it bounces everything from, like, orchestral sort of synths to more, like, glitchy techno sort of stuff. And... The, Vocalist reminds me of some. He's got a recognizable voice, but I can't think where from. But either way, they have a lot of vocals, and they sort of like they really bounce it off each other well. So you've got the lead vocalist who can go from like quite a quiet, but still very in tune voice to very quite big voice, like stand out from the rest of the music. And you've got a female vocalist that sort of like backs him up as well. And I think there's a second male vocalist. And it is just this like three part. It's not quite three part harmony in the same way Prestamico was. They sort of just support the lead singer. I suppose what backing vocals are meant to do. 
but get, do give us a great world sounds, a counteract all that the glitchy weirdness that's going on in the background. Um, I lumped them in a couple of weeks ago in a world of like weird, glitchy Scandinavian prog rock that I've listened to, along with Vola and Shining before they sucked. And one other band whose name escapes me. I'm really shit at memory. Maybe I am dying. But yeah, if you like, if you like the weird shit that is kind of like Octaves, but actually really, really good. Mains, slow motion death sequence. I think all these ones I will put up on various social media at some point so people can check them out better. Uh, next one for me was a band called Days of June and the album's called Heart Silver. I forgot to look these guys up before recording, but I feel like this is the album everyone wanted Parkway Drive to make. Which is a weird one. So it's, it was between them and I'll kind of talk about another one. So Bloodline, but bloodline with the album insolent um the way they were describing it they said they wanted to go a bit more melody a bit more like heavy metal in the sound you want to go with days of june it is big riffing metalcore and then fucking stadium sized choruses to go alongside them and it's that from start to finish it is kind of repetitive but they make it where the like juxtaposition between two vocals are really really good. The melodies on these fucking this fucking album are so so great. Um, and yeah, based on what Parkway Drive did with Ayer, and they said they want to go a bit more melodic. Days of June are the ones for you. If you want them to go back to how they were with, um, what was before Ayer? Deep Blue and. I can see the album artwork at Atlas, there we go. Um, yeah, if you want to go a bit more towards that, but obviously a bit more modern. Bloodline with the album Insolent. It is a new metal-inspired metalcore album. It is fucking heavy as shit. Really, really like big riffs in there. And the... As far as I'm aware, there's very little, if not no, melodic vocals in there. It is just the lead vocalist able to know when to use very upfront in your face grunty vocals and ones like pull it back so it's quite rough not clean but you know what i mean that's sort of like melodic rough shenanigans that people do so the two sides of parkway drive you've got the lighter side which is what reference end up being which is days of june or you've got the rough and ready stuff that i uh, was like pulling away from in bloodline with insulin and last one i've got to talk about is band called D-Mob Happy. The album's called Holy Doom. I'm pretty certain they're British and the reason why I say it is not because of I've looked them up or anything like that because that would be a smart thing to do. It's because I get so much fucking Beatle vibes off these guys. It's fucking insane. Where everyone was going when Arctic Monkeys released the debut album and they were saying how this is going to be like what British music is now. They are like the heir to the throne that Beatles led. D-Mob Happy way way more fit into that mold of a modern indie band with like lots of at times they go a little bit everywhere with um the album sound but the vocalist doesn't treat he's got quite a weird voice and to, to back that up on top of on the back of the music out there from newcastle i'm gonna quickly look them up that's talk now but that doesn't help me at all 
but the way they sort of like back up the vocalist it is very down to earth indie and it's not indie in the same way like Razor Light was or Kooks, there we go. I don't know why I thought they begin with H, but yeah, the Kooks, that's all like weird, really shit indie wave of music that came across at around 2007 when everyone thought they were really edgy, but they all sounded exactly the same and it was just pain and suffering and sadness. Nothing about that at all. This is actually very interesting indie rock music and just trying to think of some of the songs. Uh, oh, Running Around is. I think. Out of everything, Running Around is the most off-key song from the album. Because it's quite fast-paced. It's quite punk rock in its execution. And I think it only lasts for like two minutes. Spinning Out is quite like a... No, Spinning Out was the song... Spinning Out was the song I was just talking about. Either way, I... Oh, fuck. This is what happens when you do things on the fly, kids. Either way, this album is very psychedelic infused it's got grunge on it i won't go far to say it is grunge it's just very psychedelic very flamboyant indie rock and if you yeah i'll say if you like the first arctic monkeys album and you wonder whatever happened to them can't say that really i did enjoy i do enjoy arctic monkeys quite a bit but yeah you miss when indie was actually aggressive and not so clean. I reckon you'll give it. You'll have lots of fun with this one. Along the same lines of Trigger Finger as well. Demo Happy with Holy Doom. Other albums I thought were pretty good this year. McCafferty with Yarn. I'm fucking gutted these guys. This is their last album. I think. I went on the YouTube on their Facebook the other day, and the lead singer is talking about doing another solo album. I don't know if it'll be on the McCafferty banner or not, but they are a. Weird indie-influenced pop-punk band. But they do a lot of things very well. So, uh, McCafferty. Respire with something in French. Oh, fuck. Denouement? D-E with an accent. N-O-U-E-M-E-N-T. Pretty sure they're French. All their song titles are in French. Um, Post-black metal, screamo sort of band. Lots of... Like theatrics in the background while they cur curb stomping your head in. Very, very much a lot of good fun. And Stubborn with Last Out of Fire. They are Hungarian. Cause I, did, I wrote an article about Hungarian music after Eurovision. And these are basically the Hungarian version of... I'm pretty sure this is the one I'm thinking of. The Hungarian version of uh, While She Sleeps. So very fast-paced, metallic hardcore. Lots of good rhythms, lots of good songs. And yeah... Whenever I usually do these reviews, I've got a list of notes in front of me. For these ones, I thought, ah, oh, I'll just put the albums in front of me. I'll know what I'm talking about. I never have any idea what I'm talking about. Cool. And before we go on to the top ten, just surprise of the year. Yeah. Judas Priest with Firepower. I won't go on too much because spoilers, they come up a little bit later. But it is incredible that a band from, when did they start? Late 60s, wasn't it? Like 68. A band from 68 can go through everything they've gone through and still be so fucking interesting like last couple of Judas Priest albums were very very meh and it was getting to a point where it's just you knew what to expect from a Judas Priest album and so you never really had to check it out because most people went back to British Steel anyways 
Firepower, though, is like the best album they've done since, was it Painkiller in 89, 88, something bizarre like that, maybe even early 90s. Thunderously good, and like I said, I'll go on a bit more later, but yeah, Judas Priest, Firepower. Spoke about this album very, very, very briefly last week. Um, sludge, sl well, I'm just going to call them Sludge. Sludge with Esoteric Malacology. I still don't know what those words mean, but... Uh, I think this is one of the first albums I heard of the year, and I was not expecting a techie death metal album, like a genre I don't usually go into a lot, to be so fucking explosive and so interesting. Like, as I'm talking about now, all I've got in my head is the, I think these songs are War Squids, where it's just like, almost like a solo bass bit and it just sounds like when you were watching a tv show when you were growing up and you it had a part where there was aliens or something like take this water or that sort of thing you had aliens and you went inside their ship this is the sort of sound i expected to hear in the background it's like and except really good and it's just it goes well with the album cover because it has got like a fucking alien war squid on the front it is so it's fucking brutally heavy it's so intense and it's so interesting it's a great kind of interesting for prog for me because it does it keeps you interested without just masturbating over themselves and yeah if you do like the crushing techie stuff sludge with an extra g because they're awkward esoteric malacology if anyone knows what that means please let me know um, this year I tried to branch out a bit because as I feel like people have noticed with top 20 so far and then what will be in the top 10, I kind of just stick to one world of music. So after listening to Kendrick Lamar, Damn and To Kill a Butterfly last year, I wanted to, well now 2017, I wanted to branch out more with more contemporary music genres and I ended up becoming quite a fan of clean bandit based on the singles released over the last two years and i find they finally dropped their album and i listened to it it's called what is love the album is fucking banging and i where did it end up on my list because i don't think it, it finished off very high but in the end it finished because i've been doing this like as i go along it came up like number 55 the more I've listened to the songs from the album, the more I definitely think it should be pushing further, further up to even possibly in the 20s. Maybe not. Maybe 30s. Either way, it is... I think the reason why I say 30s instead of 20s is because lyrically, it is fucking diabolical. Even contemporary pop music have symbology in their lyrics. They won't outright say... She went out, like, one of the songs is, she's going out to the bar, she's getting a drink, now she's someone else because she's drunk. Get it? Because she's drunk, she's someone else now. And then as you got this other guy who wears makeup and goes out and has a drink, and because he's drunk, he's now, like, a lady man. It's different because it's just, ah. Ah. And even they've got a song with, you remember the girl, Dr. Phil, who was Catch Me Outside, how about that? She's a rapper now. And she's on this album with Charlie XCX. And I fucking love Charlie XCX. 
And even that song is good, even though I think the name is Bad Baby, which fucking hurts me emotionally. But yeah, this album is really, really catchy. And I don't know if it's just because it's got little orchestra bits in there or it's just literally it's got a good bass um, beat behind it. Even Sean Paul being Sean Paul over everything makes this album good. And yeah, it's just a very surprising because I think I heard some of the first album. And I heard, heard them on Top of the Pops and they were fucking shit. And then all the songs they made since, because I know one of them left. And it's taken them so long to get a second album together. And it's just fucking incredible. And you took your you took your boy by surprise. Um, and following on from the whole trying to find music outside the world of like rock, metal, and that kind of thing. I haven't been able to pinpoint a genre I can really go to. There was I always described it as well, I always had it described to me as Death Step, which is like a very aggro version of dubstep. But the problem with that, when you start searching for Death Step, you get like metal influenced dubstep not quite algorithm sort of level but it's literally just someone's made a dubstep song and gone over the top and that is crap death step is more of a when the beat drops your fucking house implodes and it's very hard to find like good versions of that now so i end up like searching a bit more and i found something called future bass which the only way i can describe it is modern youtube compilation music where it used to be um let the bodies hit the floor by drowning pool or something by creed it then went to like out and out heavy dubstep and now it's more like that weird ambient uh floaty dubstep this is the weird ambient floaty dubstep the genre is called Future Bass. The reason why I found it was because of an artist called Casbo, which if you go online, you'll find top 10, blah, blah. His album, yeah, it's a solo project. His album, Places We Don't Know, just, I couldn't stop. I, it's one of those albums where you press play and you don't stop until it, the whole album ends. Then you can guarantee what you, you want. But as soon as you press play, you are under the spell of really soothing even the beats even like when it drops you're still just it's never overtly attacking it's very soothing it's very calming and it is just really really super interesting and towards the end of the year Halsey released a remix of her song Without Me follows the same sort of structure as the Future Bass sound so that's been something else we listen to but yeah Future bass for me as a genre is probably one I'm going to look more into over the course of 2019. And if you like things a little bit more different, a little bit more calming, and you're bored of all-time low, future bass is the way to go. And some of the sadder end of surprises, I spoke about it enough, but Animal by Shining. I fucking love Shining, the black jazz thing. To make a hard rock album where it's so cliche so plastic so pence like piss thin ah oh, man it just it wasn't for me it's got catchy bits in there i'll happily admit to that and there are songs that i'll like my church as soon as i listen to it once it's stuck in my head for the rest of the day but it's overall next album i want them to go back to the black jazz out sound that's just me and prequel by ghost i thought was really boring 
I said it. I'll go there. I thought the Dance Macabre song was super fucking fun, and it still is a great song. And the cover of It's a Sin by the two men from the 80s. Pet Shop Boys. Was it Pet Shop Boys? Let's say Pet Shop Boys for now, because I have no credibility and I can get away with that sort of shit. I thought that was a really, really good interpretation of that song. But as a whole, that album was really, really boring. And it all like the top 10s I've heard, or top 20 albums I've heard, it hasn't appeared on anybody's. Like I haven't seen any on Twitter, the podcast I listen to, it's just nowhere. No one really... Everyone keeps raving about ghosts and how if you want to, they are the gateway band for a lot of people who want to get into world music and alternative music and fair fuck to them. But as a whole, I just there was nothing there for me, which is weird because everyone was going fucking bananas over them. But what do we do? I tell you what we do. After half an hour, we finally go into top twenty albums of the year. Um. Or top 10, I should say. 20 so far. So from 20 down to 11, it has been Between the Bear and Me with Automata 1. Kane Hill with Too Far Gone. Sister Cities by uh, The Wonder Years. Feed the Rhino with The Silence. In Vain with Currents. Technology by Don Broco. Eat the Elephant by A Perfect Circle. The Sacrament of Sin by Powerwolf. Black Peaks with All That Divides. And Prestamico with His Who The Fatigue. Now, on to number 10. So, a few years ago, Death Heaven made post-black metal the coolest thing, or like the most talked about thing in music. It split alternative fan base right the way down the middle. Um, you got one half of it calling it uh, hipster metal, or and you got some... Ha- uh, some have people just saying it's just post black metal and shoegaze sort of shit. You're just a bit ignorant because it's people who aren't wearing corpse paint. And uh, fuck, what was my corpse? Oh yeah, Death Heaven end up making like with some that it was a fucking huge album and really like it changed the way I think the outdoor community looked at. Metal as a whole, not just like extreme metal, but metal as a whole, because it was on like Apple adverts and it was using advertisements and that kind of thing. And then over time, over time, over time, they got more and more talked about, but them as a band just kept getting better. And they released an album this year. And it was, again, it was more the same in the fact that it was post black, uh, ordinary. There's a reason why I was trying to avoid saying it because I can't fucking do it. Ordinary corrupt human love. It carried on something where it was the ambient post-rock influenced black metal. And it was doing it so well. It's along the lines of make sure it's interesting at all times. But the more I listened to this album, the more I couldn't help but think about my actual top 10 fucking turned you. Mole with Yord. Everything Deaf Heaven can do in about an hour and ten minutes, they have big soundscapes, they have orchestral bits, they have um, 
the ambient bits, the bits where I can't remember these things name, but he will just creep in with that really dark shrill. Everything they can get done in that sort of time, Mole can get done in about 40 minutes. It is, someone described them great, and it is, Mole is death heaven if you haven't got the patience. It is just, so Mole themselves, this is, it's fucking, this is a debut album from, they're Danish, they do this whole like post-black metal shoegazy or black gazy sort of stuff. And it is just an absolute onslaught of aggression, whereas, oh fuck. I feel like Death Heaven, I don't think they rely more on the more ambient stuff, but whereas their sound is a lot more ambient and post-rock influence, you'd have that in spades, but they know full well they want to be a black metal album, and they want to, or black metal band, sorry, and they want to just destroy villages and burn the planet to the ground. You have a song like um, Verga, which the, the rhythm in it is so it's so apologetically heavy, unapologetically heavy, I should say, because wording, and but whereas that is like chugging, and the whole rhythm section is very much a case of just blitzing through, the lead guitars just sort of forget they're in a black metal song. They're up front just being like very plinky plonky, very clean, very smooth, and this contradiction. It's so engaging and it makes things so interesting. And the way I think what separates them then, because post black metal has become the it metal genre at the moment. So you had like new metal and you had gen, and now it's on post black. They don't just limit themselves to one thing with this album. So you've got a van, a album like Vacuum, fucking hell, a song like Vacuum, and it gets super techy at times and it's almost mathy. And you've got Penumbra, which is borderline like symphonic black metal with the way the keyboards just like build up that wall of sound and with a lot of these black gaze sort of artists and music and that kind of thing everything sounds so precise and everything is so intentional and it's like laser doctor precision for each and every little note and it is just a world of a good time that's mole I really hope I'm pronouncing that right because it's got a cross going for the O. And I, don't, I don't speak Danish. Uh, Mole with Yord. If you like Death Heaven, I did. There's no disrespect to Death Heaven. Although they're not in the top 20, Death Heaven's album was really, really good. But this is so much better. If you like Death Heaven's sound, if you like Harry Curry for the Sky, even if you like. Oh, I think Oathbreaker is probably closer to this. Um, the Rear album from a couple of, Last year, year before? If you like that kind of vibe where it's more aggro post black metal I reckon Yord by Mole is the way to go and now for something completely different The Interrupters are my number 9 with Fight the Good Fight it is album 3 from the American ska punk aficionados ska punk's a really weird genre well, ska in general is just a genre in a w really weird place it is it had it's big movement in early 90s and it sort of like had a second coming so like second wave of punk ska <coughs> excuse me second wave of ska in like the early 2000s but it never quite hit well from where i was 
never quite hit the heights of, say, your indie rocks, your pop punks, your new metal, anything like that. It was sort of like, always like bubbled, but never quite peaked. And despite that, pretty much everyone you'll speak to will like a Scar-influenced song, whether it is like your classics like Madness, or it would be No Doubt, or um, me. Uh, not, I want to say me. No, it's not me. First, I'm giving you. I can't remember what it's called. Fuck, they were just in my head. Fuck you. Uh, Mighty Mighty Boston's. It wasn't them, but. Oh well. Less than Jake. There we go. Fucking yeah, them. Everyone has a song from that kind of world that they really enjoy, and that's quite odd because for a genre that never really peaked, it's sort of plateaued a bit. There's not many people have like a bad word to say about Scar. So here in comes Interrupters. This very uh, rancid back band. They are, get a lot of production with Tim Armstrong. They work alongside Tim Armstrong quite a lot. And I missed their debut album, which I think is self-titled. Second album they did, Say It Out Loud, was super catchy. Super, super catchy. Really, really earworm music. Um, really good for sing-along sort of stuff. And as good as it was, I won't go so far as to say it clicked with me. I don't know why, but they had a few songs. Like The main singles off of it were huge infectious but that was it the rest the rest of the album filler just didn't really do anything for me which is weird because i've always like championed scar and i've always thought it was good and ting but there we are with this album though i was gonna look up the album now it doesn't really matter with this album though it is everything say it out loud was and then some it is so, this album is so fucking energetic. It's so weird being able to, like, some of the lyrical content on this are fucking uh, just tragic. Like, even when they are ballad, like, so the quote-unquote ballad got a song as Room of the View. If you just listen to it as a song, it is so much fucking fun. You're bopping your head. You're having a great time. You're hanging out with your friends. You listen to the lyrics, <clears throat> excuse me, and it is somehow someone that they've loved is dead or gone or whatever and they're looking down can you save me a space up in heaven for when i eventually die it is so fucking dreary and drab oh my god but you listen to it as a song and you're just like beat dancing in the middle of a pub somewhere um so wrong eclipses without a shadow of a doubt most of the 90s pop punk boom it's the best thing that offspring never wrote and like, overall, the choruses are just so infectious. Like, She's Kerosene, which is the, I'm pretty sure that was the lead single. It just, even with the, like, outro to the chorus, and it's just that big um, gang chant, oh, like a football chant, waiting for someone to take a penalty kick. Oh, man, why does that sound so American? And then, for me, me personally, as good as um, She's Kerosene is, Gave You Everything is the chorus for me. The uh, singer, oh fucking what's her name? Amy Interrupter has got a fucking stellar voice. Um, she reminds me a lot of a more higher toned 
Brody Darley. That's the name, right? Yeah. Um, from Brody had her punk band, which the name actually does escape me. I can see the she has an album called Coral Fang, and I cannot remember what the fucking band's called. But it's very. Even though I said she has a light version of that, she's very low end in terms of pitch and it is a very gravelly voice but it's such a powerful voice and it's something quite rare, like quite sought after in punk and at the end this is as much scar much as this is a scar record this is also very much a punk record and yeah you despite all the lyrical context about like you know everyone's dying and everyone's sort of left you and you may be there for your friends because the world is shitty it is such a positive sounding album that you just want to blare this out and hang out with friends without, again, listening to how bad the world is. Um, if you liked Rancid, who do, like, as a whole, make an appearance on this track, oh, on the album, sorry. If you like Rancid, if you like No Doubt, back from when they were full 90s ska punk, and they were, fucking, kind of took me surprised when I found that out. If you want to, if you like that, if you like the Mighty White Boss Tones, this is definitely an album. If you just like positive sounding music, if you just ignore the fact that everyone's dying, if you just enjoy positive sounding music, fight the good fight, buy the interrupters, jolly good fun. Cool. If you, well, remember a minute ago when I said I'll be talking about Judas Priest Firepower quite a lot? Number eight is Judas Priest Firepower. It is fucking album 18. Album 18, and it's been making top 20 list the fucking world over it is a second album with richie faulkner ever since he replaced kk downing has decided to retire from the band and as i was saying before at this point everyone's starting to know what to expect from judas priest um just your bog standard old school heavy metal the likes of which everyone has taken influence from and even like the trad metal bands from like Grand Magus and Wolf were starting to eclipse everything that Judas Priest was doing in the last 10 or so, well, about 20 or so years, actually. And then Out of Nowhere, Firepower is such a weird album because it sort of is influenced by the bands they influenced. And I think a lot of it's down to Andy Sneap because he has such a good reputation of making bands sound like they're best again. Like he, so he's the producer from the album. He produced Endgame by Megadeth. He produced the Formation of Damnation and Dark Roots of the Earth, of Earth, of Earth sorry, by Testament. He did Blood of the Nations, which is a comeback record for Accept. And he did Human, Rem Human Remains, which is a comeback record for Hell. And that album fucking slammed. It was so good. He just has this beautiful gift of just making. All the bands who potentially passed their prime just sound like fucking fire again. Uh, the songwriting on this album is absolutely next gen. Lightning Strike. This is what I was saying about how they are being influenced by the bands they influence. Like Lightning Strike, after the second half of the song, I think it's after the second or third second um, guitar solo. There's a low end chuggy riff on there which would make James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett proud. It is such like a Metallica cutoff. It is fucking outstanding. Um, the chorus of Never the Heroes is fucking huge. 
Halford in this sounds fucking phenomenal. And again, for a man who's, what, 60, 70, he can outperform uh, 80% of the people in the world of music right now. Not just metal, not just rock, but just music in general. He can fucking do it so much better. By no means, this is an album stuck in the 80s. If you play this to your dad, he'll windmill into the next fucking room and just bring the entire dining room into a cinder. It is so much fucking fun. It's so brutally heavy. I know this part where I used to say, if you like this, you'll like blah, 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 blah. If you've, or if you liked such album, you'll like such album. If you don't know, if you need it for fans of, for Judas Priest, what the fuck are you doing here? The reason why you like, well, the good reason why you like the heavy bands that you do is because they like Judas Priest. Go out and find this album. If you just have an inkling of how heavy music works, you owe it to yourself to find Firepower by Judas Priest. So that brings us on to number seven, which is an album that has top top 20 lists or top 10 lists everywhere. It is the second album from the US punk outfit Turnstile. It's called Time and Space. It is their first on Roadrunner Records and is the follow-up to Nonstop Feeling. And with this album, for me, they have absolutely broken the mold of what a hardcore album should be. Um, overall, it's not as out-and-out hardcore as Nonstop Feeling. But that is not to say it isn't fucking throbbingly heavy. And yes, I did put emphasis on throbbing. Um, it's probably the most accessible and like radio-friendly hardcore album ever made. And I know bands like Bad Brains and Dead Kennedys get a lot of um, acclaim for their clean yet abrasive sound. They've got nothing on this. It debuted at number one in the US Heat Seekers album on Billboard. And for me, it is an absolute statement of intent for the genre as a whole. It is bringing punk forward to show that it isn't just like a one-dimensional genre anymore. You can do so much with it. And just in this album, you've got so much going on. In the song, I Don't Want to Be Blind, it's very... I just punched the table. You've got... It's such a grungy paced out like song and it just builds up for the obviously uh, builds up for the chorus like you would expect for a grunge song then you go into a song like bomb which it, well i don't even know if you can call it a, a song it's more like an interlude and it's somewhere i've heard people describe it as hip-hop i've heard people describe it as r&b i described it as muzak that's sort of like elevated music and it's just like very do 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 and it's just very plod along electronica, which eventually goes into high pressure, which is just like a very, it's got a piano in it. So piano backed hard rock song. And then Moon, which is possibly one of my favorite songs of the year, is the biggest alternative rock song of the year, bar none. It's the uh, it's a bassist on leads, so it is a completely different attack or like style of attack from the album. And just the haunting way to deliver the word moon in the chorus just sticks with you all fucking day. And then all that is on the same album as a song like Big Smile, which is uncompromising hardcore. And 
as everything is going on, the whole album is awash with this like reverb, alt rock vocal backing. It is just such an intelligent album, which is weird to a weird word to attach to a punk or hardcore album, and it's all done in thirty minutes. It is yeah, just start to finish, done less than thirty minutes, and then you can play it all over again, and you'll still find new little bits in it. Uh, a lot of it's down to uh, the producer, I reckon. The producer's name is Will Yip. And the reason why I think he's got something to do with it is because he's been attached to some of the biggest um, punk and alternative albums of the last decade. So he did Forever and Only One Way with Code Orange. He did After the Party with the Menzingers. Rooms of the House with La Dispute. And Feel Something with Movements. He is not a man who's afraid to limit himself in the worlds of one genre he likes to expand he likes to experiment he likes to get fans to be fucking insane and as a result of this i've I've heard in other podcasts that songs from time and space are being used in like commercials and they're being used in more music like the surround tracks surround sound in america in the states this is like the idol music that they play and it's they it's just weird to think like again an album that's got songs like um big smile and high pressure are being used to like advertise things in the states um for me if you like uh, yeah I'll stick with that your demise when they were doing the kids we used to be that sort of like Little tinge of pop punk, but out and out punk um, hardcore record. If you're a fan of that, if you're a fan of particularly Frank Carter and Rattlesnakes, I can see. I'll put in my notes here that that turnstile are kind of turning into like a, an American version of Frank Carter. The way he does blend, you've got like the um, Blossom, which is fucking absolutely painstakingly heavy, and then. Um, it's not called Wildflower. The second album, I can't believe I can't remember it. Um, the way in that second album, he does blend in a lot more like contemporary music genres into punk rock. I know it's, but I've been, t- I've heard it wasn't f- completely through choice. He was having some troubles with the vocals, but the blending of lo- multiple music styles into a punk record, very cleverly done. Fan of that, fan of your demise around the kids we used to be era, and if you're a fan of Comeback Kid, definitely go for Time and Space by Turnstile. It is just that it's. I th- I'm more intrigued to find out what comes next. A from Turnstile, B from bands who heard this album and thought, why don't we do that? Because there's going to be a lot of up and coming punk bands thinking, why are we just limiting ourselves? Why don't we branch out? They did it, and it was fucking insane. So, always like it when bands do something different. Speaking of something different, num- my number six is Maya by Condra. It is the debut album of the year for me. Double check it. Yes, it is. Um, and it is by the UK sludgy post metal troupe. I think there's a five piece, four piece, four piece. There is not a single moment of this album that doesn't want to break your fucking shit in. 
it is just an unreal collection of sounds and genres. Like it's described, and even I described it as like a sludgy doom post metal album. But this has got blast beats in it. It's got deep. It's got deep beat drumming in it. The speed on some parts of this album, like the opening to Wretch, sounds like an OG death metal song. It is just fucking unreal. And you can know it's the reason why it's lumped in with like sludgy doom metal stuff because it is. The riffs on this seems like the last for absolute days, but that's because it feels like a bomb's just gone off and you're watching it. You know, you always see the videos of um, a nuke getting dropped and you can see the shockwave come around you, like trees are getting uprooted and people being disintegrated and the houses are going fucking flying. That is every riff on this album. The Maya sounds like Brent and Bill from Macedon in a guitar battle. Hadal sounds... Oh, Hadal? Hadal? I hope I pronounced that right. I don't know how to pronounce it. The opening riff on that, just, it is so thick with two C's and so heavy. It sounds like your head is stuck in treacle. It is just a brutal execution of sludge and punk and doom and post, with this huge, like, post-metal atmosphere backing it up. And the story of how they became to be, it's just, it's so... I want to say old school, but it's really not. Um, it started out with an ad, which is the exact same way like bands like Kiss and Metallica started out. And it just happened to be a Facebook post because current year. Um, and I believe it was Dan. I think Dan was one that sent a post out. He just wanted to make a new band that was in the similar vein of Gajira and Black Dahlia Murder. And it ended up being... Brady would answer the ad and they would become, obviously, start forming the remnants of what would end up becoming Contra. And the vocal trade-off between Dan Nightingale and Brady Deep Rose does absolutely sound like a vocal trade-off between Joe Duplantier from Gajira and Trevor Sternard from Black Dahlia Murder. They've got very similar like vocal executions and it just sounds like they are bouncing off each other as like a Viking battle of war. And then after they brought in their drummer Jan and it's said that he sort of like opened up their sound whereas before they were very your bog standard death metal band covering things like Gajira and Black Dali Murder not that I'm saying either of those bands are bog standard but you know what I mean he was like yeah this is fun and all this whole um, death metal thing but what if we put like hardcore in it or mathcore in it or like post-rock or grindcore or doom and it ended up becoming the IEP was a fantastic sample of what to expect and then Maya just smashed all expectations and it's just a thunderous collection of riffs and face punching and dick kicking um, if you are a fan of Employed to Serve the sludgier end of Converge and I'm thinking uh, Coral Blue Eve Worms Will Feed, and if you're a fan of the last two Gajira albums, so L'Enfant Sauvage and Magma, I reckon you'll very much enjoy my number six, which is Maya by Conjurer. Plus, follow them on Twitter, because they got mad banter. Number five uh, is, I think, my favourite album title of the year. 
I'm going to go with yes just because. Uh, it is Rolo Tomasi with the album Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It. I think that's a fucking great name. I think um, it comes from a poem of some kind, but oh my god. So good. It is album number five from the... Oh my god, they are so young. UK experimental math band. I'm fairly certain none of them are broke 30 years old yet. I think the first album, which was... Was it Astray? It wasn't Cosmology. It was Hysterics. Pretty sure they wrote that before they were all 20. What were you doing when you were 20? I was at uni being sad, personally, but there we go. Um, they're a band that I've held quite fondly to myself. Because when I was first getting into like the weird abstracts of alternative music, one of the bands that I looked... Well, one of the genres I ended up finding was mathcore. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I couldn't get into it because... It's such an abrasive genre. Like, you listen to the average Ginger Escape Plan song, um, Converge song, and back when they were Hysterics era, Rose Marcy song, it is just an abrasive attack of sound and time signatures, and there's just a lot going on. And my tiny little brain, bearing in mind this must have been, what, when I was 14, just couldn't handle it. Just, just too pussy. Um... But because they were like this young, just starting up UK band, I thought I'm going to keep an eye on them because one day I am going to go back and give them another go. And with each and every album, I tried again and I tried again and I tried again. And although it was never for me, the way the sound kept going up, I just couldn't not keep an eye on them. I just couldn't stop wanting to find out what they did next. And... Grievances, which is the last album before this one, was the album where I was like, you know what? No, I've given them, I've tried and tried and tried. They're just obviously not the band for me. And then as reviews came in, it ended up being like their career best at that point. And I was really fucking fucked off. And I could go back and listen to it, but that's effort. And I'm just, I'm just very lazy. And then with Time Will Die, I thought, no, I'm absolutely going to go in for it. Pre-ordered it, got the album, and my... Fucking God. They set the album name before any of the music was written. And I think that's worked out quite well. Because it absolutely 100% set the tone for the album. This, uh, the Musically and lyrically, this album is every which way you can deal with death or loss. You can be the frantic and angry and mad and take it out externally. Or you can just repress it. And be reserved and just do quiet mourning. There is everything you can possibly do with this album. And the opening two tracks in this is the biggest. Just showcases the balls in this band. Because it opens with this really energetic instrumental called Towards Earth. And then that eventually moves into track two. Which is called Aftermath. And that is... The biggest pop song of the year. And I will gladly fight anyone that says otherwise. Eva Spence is a fucking delight on this album. She has the screeches that all fucking pierce glass and make you cry. Whilst also having this beautifully soft and angelic voice. Um... Eventually when it comes around to a song called Rituals, the opening note of that, you can kind of tell, I think it's track three, you can 
tell you're it changed you're no longer in this light dreamy pop world just the way i can't describe it just the way the guitar strings are plucked at the start of the song it's just got that like angry little vibration in the background it's hard to describe once you listen to it, i reckon you pick it up but as soon as you hear those opening notes from rituals you can tell that you are about to go into a very very dark and very very angry place uh, the album as a whole dabbles in a lot of places obviously you've got your math core which is what road to Mastic became known for you've got a lot of black metal in there which they've been using for a while loads of dream pop loads of synth pop and loads of ambient as well there is a very there's a huge light and dark divide or clash in this album and with that thinking the way how they are they are constantly evolving the sound no two Tomasi albums sound the same in my opinion and because there's an array that they can put in I feel like they can never be boring because they are always adding something to the sound or they're always trying different things or they're always trying to do so, like just something different in general they always have the ability to be creative and before i go on to the fans of the last year and go on to number four the song alma mater which i think is track four or five is just it is somehow like very very techy but still has the tenacity to be have this massive swell into the build of a chorus which of course i fucking love and then to hear the words time will die and love will bury it just shrieked out at you by Evert and uh, James. It is fucking incredible. I love that song so much. If you are a fan of the easy go to one is Dinger Escape Plan. I also feel there's some Will Haven bits in here as well as Sick. In my opinion, because I think Converge creep too much into the world of hardcore like out and out hardcore and out and out metalcore i think rollo tomasi will be the band that takes over from dillinger as the marquee mathcore band i don't know i don't think it'll be this album it may very well be the next because then it will be enough time for people to like go without dillinger but i think if they continue this, this this trajectory and this experimentation, give it an album or two and they will be, when people think of Mathcore, they won't think of Dillinger, they will be thinking of Rollo Tomasi. Cool, I'm on the wrong page, there we go. So now, my number four, getting very close to the end now, I promise. My number four is, I spoke to my mom a few weeks ago, they are, Potentially one of the biggest, if not the biggest, bands from the UK right now. It is Holy Hell by Architect. It is album number eight of the UK proggy hardcore band. Proggy metalcore, sorry. And it is well known by now that it is their first album with without guitarist and principal songwriter Tom Searle. And subsequently, it is their first album with Silosis frontman Josh Milton on guitars. Uh, the band had every right to do whatever the fuck they wanted. Even if that was to say, we're not going to do it anymore, we're going home. Okay, thanks, bye. But no matter what they went with, they had unbelievable 
unbelievable backing from everyone that they wanted them to succeed. And they already had the pressure from All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us because the album was just fucking incredible again. But as soon as they started saying, oh, we're going to make a new album, people wanted to succeed. They didn't want to drop off in the same way other UK bands have done. And then with the circumstances around Tom, everyone, no one wanted it to be a case of this album. It, it's a bit, we're only liking it because of this, that, and the other. It was, it would have been an awkward position and no one wanted them to sort of like fall back on themselves. They absolutely fucking nailed this album. It is just a great collection of songs. And it's a collection of songs that are not only written, written through a grieving process. They have weaponized the grieving process. Look at song titles like Death Is Not Defeat, Immortal After All, Dying To Heal. Lyrically, they are all a brutal commentary on death and the life thereafter. And, and that is the body after death as well as what's left behind in terms of like family and friends. And musically, it is every bit of crushing as you would come to expect from a band like Architects. Um, so the song Death Is Not Defeat sound like Sam sounds like he's pushing every last gasp of air and energy out of his body. And behind him, he's got this huge synth wall just helping to push that out of him. And the bit that I really enjoyed from this album as a whole is they had their core band. I know Alex the bassist has come and gone a couple of times, but they had their core band. And with Tom passing away left the open for a guitarist josh from silos has came in and they could have easily just said we want you to just to play these parts we are architects you are helping out etc they have welcomed him welcomed him with open arms into the fold and so they haven't just had him fill up space he is an active member of the band take a song like second um the seventh circle and holy hell the riffs on those tracks. Seventh Circle just sounds like a melodic death metal band a la Silos is his previous project or on hold project. And as a collection of musicians it is just a staggering coming together of the circumstances. Architects just being fucking phenomenal as ever and Josh Middleton just being an absolute juggernaut on the guitar. Sam is at a career best best he can go from an earth-shattering brutal scree um, scream and grunt to an emotionally crippling just tender vocal performance and to s I've, i think i said it in the previous review i feel like this can be the chapter where or the, the album where they close the chapter on music with tom but that does not mean that they're going to be boring from now on. The fact that all of them have learned from Tom. And now they've got Josh in as well. They can move forward as a new collective. And continue to write just fucking incredible albums. On the back of the lineage that Tom has left. I think it's going to be a really, really... I think the album after this. To see where they go ne um, next will just be super interesting. And I think as a whole. Whatever architect Architects do now will be just the best time um for, fa the, for the fans off bit most bands off this like genre type 
the, like for architects, architects are like the lead band. Like you think of, um, you want to try and recommend someone thrash metal, you take it from like eighties era Metallica or Slayer. This is like architects is that to like this proggy metalcore sound. Um, but if somehow you've missed architects and you've just gone straight into the more modern stuff. If you like Northlane, if you like Polaris, if you like. I'd even say the new Bury Tomorrow album. If you like any of that, go and find Holy Hell by Architects. It is re good laugh. Cool. Final flag for more UK shit at the moment. God bless Blighty. It is Palm Reader with Braille as my number three. And it is conveniently their third album. And they are a... Well, up until now, they've been a very straightforward, out-and-out, very aggressive, passionate hardcore act. Um, and Braille follows Bad Weather and Beside the Ones We Love, which those two albums have kind of brought together a cult following for Palm Reader. They have a huge reputation on live scene for just murdering everything in sight whilst having a fun time and ting. And with the Pretubia albums, they always had quite a raw sound to their um, hardcore sound. And whether it's because of that or just because they were a bit too abrasive or whatever it was, they never really seemed to have full backing from anyone. They've been very much DIY for the longest time. They've accidentally become the poster child for you need to support the scene. You need to go out, you need to buy the merch, you need to buy the CDs, you need to buy the album. You need to just give money back to these bands, otherwise they'll disappear forever. And I don't know how it's happened because they have... They have been a fucking phenomenal hardcore band. Um, but with this album, it feels... I don't want to use the word more palatable because it is still a very abrasive album, this one. Um, the vocalist Josh does employ more melodic vocals to the point where you could describe them as clean. Uh, you got songs like Like a Wave where the back um, backing music is fucking brutal, but he does sing on that album he doesn't scream on oh, that song sorry he doesn't just scream he doesn't just growl he does sing on that album but with braille there is a lot more post-rock stuff in there going on from this is the roller tomasi school of just because it's a little bit quieter it doesn't mean it's not absolutely fucking heavy um songs like coalesque a lover a shadow and Clockwork is predominantly a post-rock song. Just every now and again, it reminds you, hey, we're still hardcore and we're going to coming here to punch you right square in the face. Um, there's a bit after the song called Inertia, after the second verse, and it just sounds so dramatic. The way I've described it here is like a plague of locusts coming to just attack you. This is like, what's your locust? Third plague? This is the plague coming to just dissolve the human race. I really I really want this to be the album where people are like, oh shit, this band is actually really good. And then they start getting the recognition that I feel like they deserve. Because I'll be the first one to admit, I missed Bad Weather completely. And it took me a while to find Besides the One We Love. And Besides the Ones, it's just... The song Stack from the album is enough just to make you think, oh fuck me, this is good. Um, and I think a large part of why Braille resonates so well with me is 
the I don't know how to describe it because it's not a hook it's not really a, a solo it's not really a breakdown but after I believe it's the second chorus there is like a 15 second part where you've just got double kick double kick bass drum the rhythm guitars are just scratching going up and down and then you've got the leads just doing basically the same thing but the higher end notes is like and you, the guitar is just uh, it's just tremolo picking on like the last string but it's not a clean they're muting it somehow I have no idea other than that I have no idea how to describe it, but it is the best 15 seconds from hardcore ever every time it comes on you want to headbutt a table into oblivion and it's I don't know if I mentioned it, it's in the song Swarm. Find that song out and find that little part. I think it's at 2 minutes 10. Because I've got almost memorised. It is just, oh my god. If you're a fan of... So for... If you want more reason to go and find Braille by Palm Reader. If you liked... If you like Gallows. If you liked Heights from back in the day. And if you really enjoyed Birds in Row, whose album this year was also very, very good. Go off and find palm reader with braille it is just go off and find swarm if nothing else because that song just fucking slams right the silver medal for this year what time are we on god damn the silver medal for 2018 and it is it is the best album the best british album of the year who's telling up actually one two three four Five of my top ten of from British bands. If you carry on going, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine out of my top twenty are UK rock, metal, punk bands. I dare someone to tell me that UK music is boring right now. Uh. So number two for me is a sophomore album from the UK. Ah, it's kind of hard to describe them actually. Post-hardcore inspired math rock is what I've got here. And I'm still not even sure about that. It is Marmosets with Knowing What You Know Now. And it is the very much anticipated follow-up to the Weird and Wonderful Marmosets. Which is literally what their first album is called. It's really weird. And it was very critically lauded, that first album. It sh showed a new excitement to... The alternative rock world, this like uh, post-hardcore injected math rock, which again, what I've said, I'm not even sure if I can, I can describe it right. It was more appropriate for that debut album, the post-hardcore math. Ow, this chair is very uncomfortable. And yeah, the way they sort of blend the styles together, the vocals of Becca were just unreal. And yeah, from there, everyone was very much excited about what album two would consist of and what it consists of so the first um single they released was play and it felt very much like a natural progression from the weird and wonderful it for uh, people who weren't familiar with marmosets before it was a great introduction to becca's vocal range where she can scream like an og uh trad heavy metal screamer or she can be very softly spoken and actually sing or she can just sound like she's going to rip your dick off 
she's just got such a good she's got such power in her vocals as well and then it was played over the top of some really bouncy like mathy proggy riffs and then from there they went into habits which just showed becca at her absolute finest if play was like an introduction habits was her just showing off especially in the chorus where she's singing just um get carried away the height she can get to is just unreal the riff the songs itself are just so infectious especially with the riff playing in the background it is so it was just infectious like i said and the whole album as a whole is such an energetic release um, you've got even like the low, more lower end songs. So you've got a song like "Run with Run," ugh, R's and W's. "Run with the Rhythm." I don't know why that was so difficult to say. That song is a new uh, "Captivate You," just very like slow, grungy indie sort of um, alt rock song. But the chorus to "Run with the Rhythm" is just massive. Oh, I said it all right then. Um, but with, like I said, you've got kind of like the more, even more stripped back songs again. And like I said before, it doesn't make the song, it, as much as it is like, also what I'm thinking of, time changes. So as much as it is a lot slower song, it doesn't feel like it's a juxtaposition or it's like out of sync with the rest of the album. The more like stripped back songs, so you've got like Cry and Back to You from Weird and Wonderful. In this one, you've got Insomnia, which is like a psychedelic acid trip of a song and just floats the listener all the way through. And you've got Me and You, which is just a hugely powerful song about loss to the point where I remember um, playing it on stereo at my old house and my housemate had to just turn it off because it was just getting to her too much. It is, it, and it does. If you listen to it on the wrong day, it will start getting to you. But that's not to say that they're not fucking great songs. The album itself is such a big melting pot of genres and styles. And while you do have a lot of radio-friendly sing-alongs, and yeah, it will have the sort of uh, choruses that you can hear on Radio 1 or whatever TV shows are still left, if you play the whole song, there's always at least one or two riffs in every in this exact same song that reminds everyone that they are very much part of like the alternative world and they do not need. I don't think at this point they need the mainstream BBC Geordie Shaw bollocks to help them. I don't. I don't know why I said Geordie Shaw. I'm not sure it's still a thing. And the one thing that I take away from this album because it's so good is they absolutely do not fucking deserve to be supporting Yumi at six. Not many bands deserve that, but fucking Marmosettes are not the ones that deserve that. They should be in a much better build, supporting much better bands. I fucking said it, because I don't like Yumi at 6. They should be supporting Marmosettes. That's what I'm going for. If you're a fan of... I went with Lost Alone, which is a weird one, but if you like Let Live... Rip. Uh, at the drive-in before Interalia, because that was when they were good, and Interalia is bollocks. Um, yeah, if you're a fan of Let Live, At The Driving, or Lost Alone, you'll, if you just like alternative music, you'll really go for Marmosets, knowing what you know now. Which brings us to the number one album 
of 2018 as decided by literally me. Um, before we do that, another cock tease. 20 all the way down to 2. Oh, we ready. Number 20 is Automata 1 by Between the Buried and Me. Number 19 is Too Far Gone by Kane Hill. 18 is The One of the Years with Sister Cities. Number 17 is Feed the Rhino with The Silence. 16 is In Vain with Currents. Number 15 is Technology by Donny B. Don Broco. Oh. Number 14 is A Perfect Circle with Eat the Elephant. Number 13 is The Sacrament of Sin by Powerwolf. 12 is Black Peaks with All That Remain, All That Divides even. And 11 is Prestamico with Here's to the Fatigue. Number 10 is Mole with Yord. Number 9 is Interrupters with Fight the Good Fight. Number 8 is Judas Priest with Firepower. Number 7 is Turnstile with Time and Space. 6 is the debut album of the year. So that's Maya by Conjurer. Number 5 is Roller Tomasi with Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It. 4 is Architects with Holy Hell. Number 3 is Palm Reader with Braille. Number 2 is Knowing What You Know Now by Marmoset. And number 1 is Stranger Fruit by Zeeland Arda. The second album by the Swiss-American, formerly one-man project. It's an avant-garde black metal attack by Manuel Gagnou. And it is unfucking believable how good this whole project is. Um, to describe the sound of the album, it's blending uh, spirituals from a time where we don't really like to talk about, and black metal. Um, so the spirituals are the vocal, or the religious vocal chant songs, sung by African Americans, predominantly about religion and slavery, both sides of it, both sides of the coin for both those topics, but the good and bad, although there wasn't many good things about slavery. In fact, there was no good things about slavery, just remember being recorded. And they would sing these songs on plantations whilst they worked, because after doing a little bit of reading, Slave owners did not like anyone fucking talking or interacting with anything else. But a lot of a lot of them allowed singing because it kept spirits high so that they were carried on working. This is from a very, very sad time in the planet. Um, and black metal is that terrifying music that your mum told you to stay away from. Um, but that's not everything. Like in this album, you've got the spirituals and you've got the black metal. There's also post black metal in there, so you've got like a post metal ambiance and atmosphere behind it. And there's weird bits of soul in here as well. And if you think like the fact that it's got spirituals and where all that sort of music came from is bad, wait till you hear the origins. So the project leader, Manuel, he was already in a soul outfit, which I've forgotten what the name is. Um, but he's like, I want to do something else. I want to do like a one a me project. Give me two genres that I could blend together. And he asked this of all places on 4chan. Which is not, it's just not a nice place. It's just not, it's a very sad place indeed. And he got given two genres. He got given black metal, which is half of the quiz is fair play fair play and i can't say the word for various reasons but if i say the n-word followed by the word music that's what he got told to do 
black metal and n-word music because it's 4chan and 4chan are full of terrible awful people that was how Xenonada became into effect and there was a like a demo EP sort of thing which was like trying to get the project off the ground then there was Devil's Fine which I think I can't remember if it's that one or the album before when Manuel sort of described I think it's the one before so Devil is Fine is the debut album. You can tell at that point it was still a solo project because although the production is pretty naff, you can sort of back it up. It was like, well, it's got black metal in it. It's raw black metal in it. Fuck you. It, it, but as a whole, Devil is Fine is a fucking masterpiece. The lead song, or the, the title track, Devil is Fine, is just haunting. The whole album is haunting. You can pick up little like sound bites of what would have been chance for him or like the chance he's representing i should say big pardon and you will listen to them and it is just it sends shivers up and down because of oh, i'm just trying to think of one there's one about leading a boy to the flame well bringing a young boy to the flame and it just chants that over and over again you sort of feel like you've got if you listen to headphones you've got sort of like got a cult in your head and he released a, a one-off song called baphomet and it was part of the adult swim single series and it kind of felt like a devil is fine off cut and while the song was very good it kind of got me a bit worried because like i said i like i really like the song baphomet but it sounded like to me he wasn't really progressing the project at all and as much as good as Devil is Fine was, it was just going to be Devil is Fine 2 Electric Boogaloo. What this album is, is none of that. It is, it's, the album has hugely benefited from a bigger production. The song sounds so intense. And you can pick up every last little bit of detail. And you keep listening to it and listening to it and listening to it. You pick up new things every single time. Those little lyrical hooks you can hear again, and I'm going to give you an example just to give you an idea about how evil this album can sound sometimes. On the song Built on Ashes, as lyric is, you are bound to die alone, you will swing on the breeze then, you are bound to die alone, you are bound to die alone, at the end of the day, you went for lights out. On the song You Ain't Coming Back, you've got, these are the eyes that saw him die, saw them die, these are the hands that dug their graves. So don't you ever tell anyone that you're safe. So don't you ever, don't you let anyone tell you that you're safe. Uh, my personal favourite is Row Row. Row Row, Row you fool. Row Row, you're never going to go. Shape perform you didn't even know. Now lo behold, they're taking me below. Cast thy name in salt and stone. Fucking shit. It is so bleak and such a haunting interpretation of what people went through. Like, it's very easy for me as a white boy in now 2019 to, like, just sit here and say, hey, wow, wasn't it so bleak? You sort of listen to the lyrics on this album and you think, fucking Jesus Christ, this is, like, a nice way of putting things. This is just, it is lyrical evil, and it's from, like, a critical point of view, and just taking it from the album, it's such an interesting, such a powerful album. And then you've got that in terms of how heavy it is lyrically. And then you look at the, like, listen to the music side of things. 
it bounces between blast beats and a choir and screams and like a piano interlude and like predominantly piano based music there is a fine line between brutality and sensitivity at all times but because this album is so precise and Manuel is such like a just like hidden genius of music at the moment you're never in danger of falling off that line because you go one too far one way you're like falling onto pillows and it's just a bit bland if you go the other way you're on a sandpaper conveyor belt and it's just it's just a black metal album but he's in full control all the time and the i think the best part is for my for me personally is i don't think this is his best album i think this is a fantastic album but this is not his best album the best is yet to come he is not trapped by genre stereotypes he can do whatever he wants with this sort of music and he can work with such a wide range of ideas and the fact he was open to just put two styles of music that have nothing in common and put them together to make this just think what he can do in the future just think who he can work with and what ideas he can drum up for album number three and it's because of that i can't really do a for fans of part because there's nothing that sounds like this right now if in a few years time you've got other people trying to replicate this it's always going to be comparison to zelanada and it's always even the best of that kind of music or this music that zelanada have like forged it's going to be this is the best album bar zelanada this is the best that anyone can get compared to zelanada they are in a world of one right now and it is fucking outstanding if i had to compare it to someone like if you like this you'll like this if you're a fan of what Mirko is doing at the moment that's all like folk inspired post black metal shining before animals when they were taking bits of black metal bits of jazz bits of death metal bits of prog and sort of melding it in together and I also found comparisons to a band called Solofald really hope I pronounced that right but just the way I was into a song on this the other day and it's very much a case of weird instrumentals over the top of brutal black metal. If you like it basically when black metal bands aren't just sticking to the musical tropes of black metal, they're bringing in other bits, so folk music or jazz or avant-garde or just doing something beyond the realms of blast beats and screaming. Give Zelanada a try and I think you'll realise that all of them pale in comparison to what Manuel can do and yeah so that's my number one I'm not going to go through all 20 again because god damn I'm out of breath I would love to hear what other people have got for albums of the year so feel free to get in touch I'd love to know what you think of my list from next week excuse me from next week everything should be going back to normal with album reviews and the news and from next week i will also be introducing one of two new segments that i'm going to start putting on rotation for desolation sounds so with episode one i went in straight away with um live reviews and with in terms of money and where i'm located it's hard to find more 
live music to review. So instead of doing that, I'm going to roll on two new segments. One is, um, they've both got really shit names, so bear with. One is just the big question, which is just a topic and like trying to find music that falls around with that topic, which I want to start in two weeks' time. And I'll explain more about at the time. But the one that's starting next week is I'm just calling Open Mic Night. Which again, really shit name, bear with. And it's basically choosing an album regardless of when it was released, who did it, what style of music it belongs to. Sit down, review it and find out where it sits in that world. And I'm more for Open Mic Night and... Big question. I'm more than happy for people to get in contact and um, do suggestions or actually pitch big questions. Just so, like, I've got, like, you kind of like giving back, I guess. Um, but next week, I think we're going to start with the second album from a stoner proggy band called Priestess, which is fucking incredible. You'll find out more about it next week. But yeah, two new segments. As starting as of next week, as will like standard procedure for Desolation Sounds going forward. So, enjoy the beginning of the new year. It will be a shit of 2018. And until next week, I hope you all have fun times. And bye!